0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks for tuning in. Well, coming up on this Thursday edition, President Joe Biden is meeting with his Chinese counterpart, Kim
2: Cam- I value our conversation because I think it's paramount that you and I understand each other clearly, leader to leader, with no misconceptions or miscommunications. We have to ensure that competition does not veer into conflict. And we also have to manage it responsibly, that competition. That's what the United States want and what we intend to do.
1: Well, the question is, could the U.S. be looking for competition while China is looking for conflict? We're going to talk with New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith, chairman of the Congressional Executive Commission on China. And while some want the Republican Party to walk away from protecting the unborn RNC Chair Ronna McDaniel says this.
3: We can win on this message. The American people are where we are, and they want common-sense limitations. They want more access to, uh, to adoption. We want to make sure that there's pregnancy crisis centers. These are things we can win on, but we have to talk about it. And you can't hide in a corner and think abortion is not going to be an issue.
1: That was RNC Chairwoman uh, Ronna McDaniel. This past weekend on NBC, Meet the Press, she joins us here on Washington Watch just a bit later. And a uh, raucous week of alleged kidney punches and unusual verbal sparring in the House of Representatives. Well, they adjourned today and will go home for a cooling off period and return after Thanksgiving. Speaker Mike Johnson acknowledged the House was at its limit.
2: Members have been here for, as as,
4: uh, Leader Scalise said, for 10 weeks. Um, This place is a pressure cooker. And so I think everybody can go home. We can come back, reset. We're going to get our group together. We're going to map out that plan to fight for those principles. And we have some great plans in the playbook already.
1: We'll get an overview of what was and wasn't accomplished this week. A little later with FRC's Director of Government Affairs, Kena Gonzalez. And in a hearing on Capitol Hill this afternoon, Jonathan Greenblatt, director of the Anti-Defamation League,
0: said this. In the wake of this massacre, the deadliest day for the Jewish people since the Holocaust, the ADL has tracked a surge of anti-Semitism around the world and right here in America, in public spaces, in workplaces, and indeed on our college campuses, even in K-12 schools. And it's getting worse.
1: Texas Senator Ted Cruz joins us to talk about the wokeness that has overtaken America's education system and what you can do about it. Our word for today comes from Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. So how do we hold fast to our confession and not waver in these times? He goes on in verse 24, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day, Approaching? Well, here's the answer. We need to be in the Word, in prayer, and in community with other believers. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org/slash Bible. And also, let me encourage you to join us in the effort to play, pray for the House Speaker and the House of Representatives as they move forward. To join us in this effort, simply text the word Speaker to 67742. That's the word speaker to 67742. And you can join in the effort to pray for House Speaker Mike Johnson and the House of Representatives. It's important that they succeed. President Biden met with Chinese President Xi Jinping earlier today in California. In fact, the meeting's still going on, hoping to stabilize U.S.-China relations In a year that brought us spy balloons, overhead, and secret Chinese police stations in American cities. The world leaders are expected to announce a fentanyl regulation agreement, as well as plans for keeping AI programs away from nuclear launch command centers. But given the strained relations between the countries, as well as ongoing geopolitical issues, including two hot wars in Israel and Ukraine, What outcome can we expect? What is the best way forward? Well, joining me now to uh, discuss this is Congressman Chris Smith. He is the chairman of the Congressional Executive Commission on China. He is also the senior member on the House Committee on Foreign Affairs. He represents the 4th Congressional District of New Jersey, and he joins us by phone. Congressman Smith, welcome back to Washington Watch. Uh,
2: Thank you very much, Tony. Appreciate being on. Thank you for your great work.
1: Well, let's appreciate that. Let's start with this. What do you expect from today's meeting between President Biden and the chairman of the Chinese Communist Party, Xi Jinping? Uh,
2: Very little. You know, the Biden administration has been weak and vacillating. And don't think that that's not taken all into consideration by Xi Jinping. I mean, our our exodus out of of Afghanistan, Afghanistan was egregiously flawed, and they always write about it in their propaganda organs. And I read their op-eds. They tell the people of Taiwan, uh, don't think America has your back. Look what they did to their own Americans and to their allies in Afghanistan uh, with that horrific uh, you know, exodus that left people behind. So he goes in, I think, very much debilitated by his own uh, miscues and mistakes and flaws when it comes to foreign policy, and that has a profound impact on any possible outcomes. You know, I saw one estimate was, or one... Of a person within the administration, you know, saying that the fact that the two are talking is a good thing. Please give me a break. I mean, they're committing genocide right now uh, against the Uyghurs. They're upping their their religious persecution, including there's a new report just came out by Hong Kong Watch about how uh, Hong Kong is getting worse when it comes to religious freedom, and they're doing it all throughout the, the country, just crushing Christianity um, or trying to. Uh, and it's, it's it's just awful. And then, of course, uh, forced abortion, particularly as a genocide tool. Uh, and they're killing tens of thousands, and I have a bill that passed to try to stop it. It's pending in the Senate. Um, uh, uh, tens of thousands of average age 28-year-olds to get their organs. That's right, uh, right out of Nazi Germany. Is Biden going to raise that? Is he going to raise the genocide that's being uh, perpetrated upon the Uyghurs? And you know it. You ran the the religious freedom commission just how how horrible and egregious that really is and you know they'll they'll make nice and talk about friendship and well he's talking to a dictator you got to talk to him right but it's got to be with a very serious human rights I story. mean
1: w- when you when go, go back, back and you you, you came in with Ronald Reagan, Reagan. he had yeah. conversations with uh, Russian, Russian leaders but, leaders, but it, it was, was very clear and, clear and direct what America was looking forward. for at, at the, the opening, opening of, of their, their meeting today, today uh, President, President Biden, Biden said, look, we're, we're not, not looking, looking for conflict. We want, want competition, but we don't we want, want that, that to de- to veer into conflict. Into conflict. Do, you, do you think do you the think Chinese think are, looking are looking at this the same way? way? I, don't I don't think, think they're, they're afraid, afraid of conflict. Of
2: conflict. No, I, I don't think they are either. And I think don't talk about it like it's competition between a football team. Uh, these are people who commit atrocities each and every day. It's like, you know, Israel has a competition with Hamas. No Hamas is committing crimes against humanity, like China is each and every day. It's not a competition. Uh, You know, it is an attempt that we should be making to stand with the oppressed people of China and all those they seek to uh, hurt, uh, which is, uh, particularly in the region, all the countries that are uh, in proximity to them, including especially the Philippines lately. So it's it's a real problem, and Taiwan is in the crosshairs. It's not a competition. But, again, we need to be so clear about... You know, human rights, um, because they look at us and they say it's a talking point on page 15 of the president's um, uh, agenda here. It's, it's, uh, it's not there. And as a senator, he did the same thing, Tony. You know, he, he was so weak on human rights in China when he was chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee of the United States Senate. Why do we expect something different now? I, I
1: want, I want, to, want go to, go to go to some of the issues, issues that was raised, raised in a letter that was sent by the by Select, Select, Committee Select Committee on, on the, Chinese the Chinese Communist, Communist Party, Party now, uh, chaired by... by uh, Congressman, uh, Congressman Mike Gallagher. Gallagher this was this sent to President Biden in advance of this meeting. And, and one of the one things that, that they were, were, well, actually, there's a whole li- laundry list of things that they were hoping the president would address, including uh, the fentanyl crisis, this flow of uh, deadly fentanyl across our borders, the fact that Americans are still being held in China. They're, they're being held prisoner. haven't been released. We, um, They bring up the issues of the lack of access to Chinese markets from American producers, uh, the tensions in Taiwan, uh, the provocation, military provocation that we're seeing with the Chinese military toward ours, and the list goes on. Do you think the president is going to address any of these issues?
2: Uh, Maybe tangentially, but not in a substantive way. Um, again the, the expectations have already been downplayed by his own staff um, so I don't expect much to come out of it but again access to their markets we've been talking about that forever and we don't we play we play uh, you know not hardball but weakball and um, you know, they're an exporting economy if we said you can't export uh, the way you have been unless human rights are tied to MFN we get changes
0: right right. Do, do
1: you simple. think that by,
2: I I had a hearing yesterday Tony on cobalt all of it's coming out of the DR Congo it's for EVs and I have a bill and I'm introducing a second one uh, that would really say anything they produce in China that comes from DR Congo with child and slave labor uh, is inadmissible to in the United States. You see that, 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 the that's,
1: that's the approach the Trump, the Trump administration, administration was, taking. was taking. They were playing a That hard is ball the approach the
2: Trump administration. They were tough, predictable uh, and they did not play uh, games where, you know, statements are made by this chief executive, Joe Biden, uh, that makes it sound like, like when he talked about competition. Please, get rid of that word. It's not competition. Yeah, but, uh, these people are purveyors of gross human rights abuse. They have hegemony um, aspirations throughout the region, and I would say the entire world. Uh, that's like saying we had a competition uh, with the Nazi Germany or Imperial Japan. Nothing could be further from the truth. Well, you have
1: it's to have a, a common problem. goal. You have to have a, a common, common goal, goal if you're, you're going, going to be in competition, competition with, uh, with, uh, with with someone some else and right. you say they, so have, they have they have a different, different uh, goal. They have, they have their, their goal, goal is, is to, to dominate the world. The world, world however, it needs to be, be done. done. Uh, uh, and I think
2: the even on climate change. Now, the president probably is going to where to get to him. He'll veto it. Yeah. You know, I've no doubt about that. You know, in terms of stopping child labor, that's making cobalt or mining cobalt many of those kids are dying 35 to 40,000 a year 200,000 adults and and um, you know there's an MOU that isn't worth the paper it's printed on really uh, with you know they ought to do their own production in DR Congo instead they're getting paid off by the Chinese communist party but part of this all is all Bel- that this comes is, here in uh, Tesla and other
1: uh, a, a cars a part of, part this, part is of this is this the belt and road, road initiative and road where china, china is right. expanding its, its, its reach, and in fact many places, places taking over, over uh properties because Because the these these countries countries can't afford to pay uh the loans loans that they've they've gotten gotten from 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 china China. and And so so they're they're getting they're they're doing this for their their rare uh earth minerals minerals. and so uh, this is we're feeding that we're feeding that with our electric cars all this other stuff that we're pushing is actually fueling this uh, overreach by by, by, china, by china, china and building up, building up their, their material, material wealth. wealth uh, uh congressman, congressman chris smith we're out of time always but always great to, to talk with you to, thanks, thanks so much, so much for uh, taking the time Tony, to thank you
2: so on. very much for having me on all, yeah, right, have all right have a great weekend. weekend
1: thank you all right folks i say weekend because congress is adjourned we're going to talk about that later Kana gonzalez is going to be joining me to give us a wrap-up of what happened in congress this week blow by blow Uh, But after the break, RNC Chair Rana McDaniel joins me to discuss how Republican candidates should campaign on protecting the unborn. The RNC is not backing away from it, even though some Republicans are. And the pundits are saying that's a losing issue. Life is always a winning issue. We're going to talk about it next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away.
5: Get this free guide at frc.org slash pro-life men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Well, after voters in Ohio passed issue one last week, allowing for abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy, the legacy media and even some Republican campaign strategists began to grumble that candidates might need to consider a retreat from protecting human life. You know, I continue to emphasize the need for pro-life candidates to go on the offense for protecting the unborn, especially when the Democrats have staked out the extreme position of abortion until birth with zero, zero restrictions. Fortunately, the message, that message for Republican candidates that they need to stand for life um is is coming from the republican party it's in the party platform and it's coming from the party leadership who's not retreating from this issue here's a, a clip this past weekend run mcdaniel was on nbc meet the press clip two please
3: we also have to define ourselves before the democrats define us and this is my number one message if you're digging yourself out of a hole you're going to lose but if you go on tv and you say to the american people listen we all are passionate about this issue, and it's confusing right now. But in a time of consensus, can't we agree on reasonable limitations at 15 weeks when a baby feels pain?
1: In other words, this is not the time to go silent to lose our voice on this issue. Joining me now to talk about this is Ronna McDaniel, chairman, uh, chairwoman of the Republican National Committee. Ronna, welcome back to Washington Watch.
3: Great to be with you. Thanks for having me, Tony. And thanks for talking about this issue Uh, so vocally. I think it's really important.
1: Well, I, I thank you because you've never wavered on this message, even though even when the pundits and others have said we need to back away from this issue. I think you summed it up in that clip very well. What happened in the midterm elections in 2022 is that the Republican position was not articulated by Republicans. It was they were defined by Democrats who spent so much more money on this issue while Republicans were silent. If it's important, we're not going to be silent about it.
3: We shouldn't be silent. Listen, we're proud to be a party that stands for the unborn. And I think coming out of Roe, After 50 years of silence and people not having to navigate this issue, it's really important that we define ourselves before the Democrats do. Let's talk about pregnancy crisis centers. Let's talk about uh, getting rid of cumbersome regulation to adoption. But let's also put the Democrats on the defense because they stand for late-term abortion. They stand for gender selection abortion. Can't we even say to them— Won't you agree that when a baby feels pain, when a baby can physically feel its life being taken away from them, that that is a bridge too far? And they won't meet us even there. They are the extreme on this issue. And when you say that to the voters, we win. Right.
1: And it's about where we are in building consensus. And that's how we, I say we, pro-lifers, how we got to this point of seeing Roe overturned. It was step by step inch by inch, as we built that consensus, educating people, winning hearts and minds. It's the same playbook. I mean, we've got to continue to do that.
3: We do. And I think we have a lot of candidates. You know, there's a there's a miscommunication. The RNC doesn't do TV right. We're ground game. But a lot of our candidates and consultants are afraid to tackle this issue. And they just can't be. And Virginia, our candidates were outspent by nine times on abortion messaging. Uh, we, we've seen this across the country where our candidates are being told, don't talk about it. But if you get out and define yourself first and you say to the the public, this is where I stand. This is who I am. Let me tell you uh, about where I stand on this issue. And let me tell you where my Democrat opponent is. We will win. But you've got to put money behind it. You can't say it behind a, a paywall or on a phone call. Right. You've got to put money defining yourself first before the Democrats do, because they will define us and say we won't give life-saving care for miscarriages or ectopic pregnancies, things that are total lies, but they will fearmonger. And when a lie goes unanswered, it becomes the truth.
1: Yes. And, and, and we saw that uh, they put millions of dollars into the messaging in Ohio where they just won issue one. Uh, but but well, two points I want to make here. First is what you're saying on this program You say everywhere, whether it's on CNN, whether it's MSNBC, CBS, I've heard you say it there. I've heard you say it at meetings of uh, Republican donors. So this message is consistent. I want my viewers and listeners to to hear that. But I want you to go back for just a moment and explain the role of the RNC, because I think a lot of people misunderstand what the RNC does.
3: Oh, I appreciate that. You know, we are the turnout machine. So we're going to be we're in 70 lawsuits right now protecting election integrity. We're out there pushing bank your vote. But we don't do the messaging for the candidate. And that makes sense. The candidate uses their general consultant and and their pollster to determine how they're going to identify and communicate to voters. I say this it this way. We build the road. All the cars drive on it. Uh, but the cars don't always take our directions. (laughs) And so we're going to give them the best advice, but they need us to be doing things like voter registration and turn out the vote. And if you look at Virginia and even Kentucky this week, more Republicans turned out than Democrats. So I don't think it's a turnout issue. I think it's a messaging issue. And we've got to get this right before 2024. And it's really going to be up to candidates to be able to define themselves on this issue.
1: Yeah, I think I've seen that. And I think you're doing a good job in the turnout. Although this is not directed to you. I'm directing this to to churches and to um, our audience. When you've got turnout in some places like Kentucky, I think it was uh, 40 in the 40s. Uh, we need to be turning out in every yeah. election and voting. And I want to challenge you know Christians to turn out every time there's something on the ballot, because when you've got less than half of the population voting, your vote can actually have a greater impact if you show up to vote.
3: That's so true. It's so true. And Democrats have an unlimited pot of money, right? They have big tech. They've got Hollywood. They have all these outside groups. They have Planned Parenthood. They are absolutely mobilized and financed. And we need everybody coming together because our country's at stake. Our values are at stake. Our future's at stake. The American dream's at stake. The American family is at stake. How we identify as male and female is at stake. Our children are, are at stake. Our religious liberty is at stake. And Democrats, if they get their way, if they take the Senate, if they win the White House and they, they get the House, they will get rid of the filibuster. They will stack the Supreme Court and they will fundamentally change the America we know and love. And that is what we are fighting for in 2024. I will work alongside every single candidate, but Democrats have nothing to run on except for abortion. And they spent $350 million on it in 2022. They're going to use the same playbook in 2024. And our candidates need to get up to speed and be able to go on TV and articulate where we stand. Because when we do, we win.
1: I, I think you're absolutely right. You're spot on. That's exactly what's going to unfold. And if they want to know how to talk about it, they need to tune into Washington Watch and just listen. Because we talk about it frequently. Rana, I want to thank you for joining us. Always great to see you.
3: Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Pray, vote, stand. We need to pray, we need to vote, we need to stand. All right, we're going to give you an overview of what happened in Congress this week when we return, so don't
0: go away. We're back.
1: Yesterday, the House passed a continuing resolution to avoid a potential government shutdown and extend government funding into 2024. Now, it's what we've called a laddered approach. We've got part of it being funded into January, another part into February. And there's going to be a battle when we start moving these appropriations bills through and we come to the end of this funding period in January and February. But despite that, yesterday, a group of conservatives in the House stymied a procedural vote to advance an appropriations bill today, killing a rule that would have allowed the bill to go forward to send a message that they weren't happy about yesterday's continuing resolution. Well, as a result, the leadership announced there were no additional votes and uh, are expected um, to send everybody home. Everybody's going home until after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And so the the whole idea is to allow them to cool off. We actually had a couple of physical or near-physical altercations this week on Capitol Hill. I mean, the, the tensions have been building. So joining me now to uh, to discuss this and more, I guess give us a blow-by-blow, blow, is uh, Kana Gonzalez, Senior Director of Government Affairs here at the Family Research Council. Kana, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony. So uh, give us an overview of what happened in the House in the last 24 hours. You can skip the uh, you can actually skip the, uh, the the kidney punches and just go to the to the CR. So what actually passed yesterday in terms of this government funding bill?
6: Yeah, uh, so Speaker Johnson has been on the job for about three weeks. Uh, you recall that prior to that, the House was without a speaker and paralyzed for about three weeks. So he's. He's on the job and he is doing a balancing act. He's trying to bring together uh, various uh wings uh of his party to agree on the last five uh bills. Uh something that get uh, spending bills for the year which did not get passed uh before September 1st which was the original funding deadline and so there had been a funding extension that runs out on Friday at midnight this week and there was uh the need to either pass the remaining five bills which was not happening uh, quickly enough or to pass another continuing resolution and Mike Johnson i think wisely saw that the senate was preparing uh to uh, to jam the house by continuing uh government funding until just before christmas when everybody's really exhausted and needs to go home and uh and uh and to uh and to have a big fight at christmas time this has happened every year since 2012 this is a well-worn playbook and mike johnson disrupted that playbook uh, by by uh, convincing enough Republicans uh, to pass a continuing resolution that, as you said, carries this fight into uh, mid-January and early February.
1: Okay, so let's talk about, uh, now. and they've, they have this, as I mentioned at the top of this segment, uh, there was another appropriations bill. The rule that would set up the vote was struck down, and so the leadership just sent everybody home for Thanksgiving to cool off. So when we come back... How many appropriations bills? There are 12 altogether. How many have actually passed the House, and how many are still pending?
6: Well, there are different ways to look at it. You could think of it as a 12-round as a boxing match, and we've passed seven. Uh, and so maybe it is time for everybody to go back to their corner and take a cool down um, and think for the next uh, week and a half they'll be back in, in almost uh, a little less than two weeks. Um, so there are five bills that remain to be passed. But another way to look at this, Tony, is in terms of the overall budget. About 80 percent of the annual budget has been passed in dollar and dollar figures. And so they're looking at the last uh, 20 percent. And in that are some of the hardest fights, frankly, on our issues and other issues that are that are being debated on the Hill right now.
1: In my conversations with uh, with leadership, uh, even as late as this morning. The, the idea here is to get the bulk of the dollar amount, as you just pointed out, of government funding through and approved so that when we get to those tough issues, if the backdrop is a quote unquote government shutdown, it's not that big of a deal from a standpoint of its impact upon government. And so that can't be the threat that makes people accept status quo.
6: That's right. Uh, In addition to uh, pushing to get this through Christmas so that we're not jammed up against the wall right at Christmas trying to pass an omnibus, uh, a massive spending bill that really no one has had time to go through, uh, except for the special interests that love to jam last-minute Christmas items in there uh, for themselves, we've pushed this off until mid-January and early February. He's also staged this, Speaker Johnson has also staged this, so that... We can have these funding fights uh, a few at a time, not all at once.
1: But given the fact that there's not a lot of legislative days once they return from Thanksgiving until the first of year, sounds like a lot of time. But you've got basically two weeks there for Thanksgiving, uh, for Christmas that they're out. Don't come back in until uh, usually the second full, the first full week in January. So. Uh, they'll still have a lot of work to do. Very quickly, we're almost out of time, but the the real battle is probably going to take place over the Ukraine funding bill with uh, attached border security issues.
6: That's right, the Senate really, really, really wants to send billions of dollars uh, in additional uh, funds to uh, Ukraine and um, conservatives in the House in particular and some in the Senate are pushing for reinforcing our own border in the south and and that is a fight that is that is playing out amidst all of this
1: all right Kena gonzalez thanks so much for the update always great to see you thanks for stopping by on washington watch thanks tony all right folks there's still a lot of work to be done but in my view progress is being made because as Kena just talked about we've kind of the, the, the new speakers disrupted the historic play of the Democrats and of this, the establishment of just pushing. And it's not just Democrats. It's, just, it's the establishments, Republicans, too, pushing members up to the point of Christmas and just forcing them to accept whatever's put before. That's not going to happen this year. All right. Stick around. Ted Cruz joins us next here on Washington Watch.
5: Get this free guide at frc.org slash to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. And again, let me remind you, uh, based on our last conversation, last segment about what's been happening in Congress and the House in particular, uh, it underscores why we need to be praying. And so, again, I invite you to join in the effort to uh, to pray for the new House Speaker, Mike Johnson. If you'd like to be a part of that effort, text the word speaker to six, seven, seven, four, two. That's the word speaker to six, seven, seven, four, two. Yesterday, after the rally for Israel on the National Mall, which united hundreds of thousands of Americans standing with Israel, Senate Democrats voted to block military aid to Israel. Siding with their base on the left instead of the people of Israel, they, uh, this was the bill that was sent over from the House that it was a, a reduction in money going to the IRS instead giving it to Israel, and they used that as an excuse in the Senate to not support the bill. Now, you know, in, in response to the rise in anti-Semitism from the left earlier today, the House Ways and Means Committee held a hearing. In fact, it's still going on to examine. Anti-Semitism on college campuses following the October 7th Hamas terrorist attacks on Israel. Now, we've seen colleges and universities really as breeding grounds for any number of destructive ideologies from CRT to Marxism to in all of its forms. But anti-Semitism was lurking under the surface throughout all of this. Joining me now to discuss this is Senator Ted Cruz from Texas. He serves on four Senate committees, including the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and the Senate Judiciary Committee. He is also the author of a recently released book, Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. Senator Cruz, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to see you. it great to be with you. Thanks for having me back. Well, we'll get to your book, which discusses our universities as a laboratory for the left, but Give us your thoughts on the anti-Semitism at our colleges and universities, which was highlighted by the House Ways and Means Committee today.
4: Well, it, it, it's an enormous problem. We're seeing it all across the country, uh, and, and we're seeing it uh, at Harvard University. We're seeing it at MIT. We're seeing it at, at universities throughout the country. And, and it's actually integrally related to, to, to the new book you just mentioned, which which the focus of the book is how the radical left has seized the institutions of our nation. And, and, and it starts with universities. Each chapter of the book is, is a different institution that has been seized by the cultural Marxist. And, and chapter one is universities. And, and you look at, and, and it goes from universities to K-12 through 12 education, to journalism, to government, to big business, to big tech, to entertainment, to science. And the last chapter is on China as a central nexus that is intertwining it all. And, and and if you look at what's happening with this anti-Semitism, you know, I was recently talking with, with, with a tech entrepreneur from Silicon Valley who, who's a man of the left, he's a Democrat, and he was expressing enormous bewilderment at where this anti-Semitism on the left was coming from and whether it's the squad in, in the House of Representatives or whether it is these viciously anti-Israel protesters on campus, and I explain that the answer is is cultural Marxism, that if you look at cultural Marxism, the, the Marxist frame divides the world into oppressors and victims. And when it comes to, to the war in Gaza, to the extreme left, they have defined Jews as the oppressors, and they have defined Palestinians as the victims. And accordingly, the cultural Marxist supports the violent revolution of the so-called victims to overthrow the so-called oppressors. And that's why, for example, at Harvard, my alma mater, 35 student groups signed a ridiculous, ignorant, naive, and anti-Semitic statement that said every bit of the violence carried out by Hamas terrorists, every civilian murdered, every woman and little girl raped, every infant slaughtered, they said all of that is 100% the fault of Israel. Why? Because to the cultural Marxist. Everything is justified in the so-called victim overthrowing the so-called oppressor. And we're seeing it literally every day across the world.
1: So, so Senator, that that is a a worldview that is, quite frankly, totally incompatible with what has built America and what sustains this republic. I mean, the, the two just don't work.
4: No, that, that that is exactly right and 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 this is an assault that is deliberately aimed at at taking down america what what this book does is is that I try to combine number one to explain how and why they seized control of the institutions and then number two to give a clear practical battle plan for taking the institutions back but but I give the history where in the nineteen sixties Marxists began infiltrating our universities, and first of all, they were plain vanilla Marxists. the, the, The oppressors and victims they were looking at were socioeconomic. It was the owners of capital and the proletariat, and their solution was a violent revolution and government forcibly redistributing the wealth. Once in the university, Marxism began to mutate, and it became a number of different variants. One of the first was critical race theory, that same Marxist prism of oppressor and victim, but instead of socioeconomic, they, they look at race, and they view America as irredeemably racist, and their solution, again, is the so-called victim races violently overthrowing and using government power to redistribute from the so-called oppressor races. It then transmogrified along the lines of gender and sexual orientation and gender identity, and each of these it, it is designed Look, Marxism, the ideas of the radical left are wildly unpopular, which means they thrive on, number one, power and coercion, and number two, indoctrination. It's why the Marxists focus on schools, on universities and K-12 and journalism and entertainment, because it takes indoctrination to push this assault. And, Tony, you're exactly right. It is an assault on America's free enterprise system. It is an assault on our Constitution. It is an assault on our Bill of Rights. It is an assault right at the heart of the cultural Marxist view is that the founding of America was a moment of evil, that the people who founded America were oppressors that were oppressing the Native Americans and everything that has flowed since has been evil. And so this is unequivocally an assault on our nation that takes patriots, it takes Christians, it takes people who are not insane to rise up and stand against it because the objective is to tear down our entire nation.
1: Historically, when we look at what Marxism has done as it has evolved, as you have just described there, it has led to anarchy because it has torn down the very institutions that uphold civilized society, which leads then to more power by the hand, in the hands of a few, which ultimately leads to tyranny. That's the path yeah, look, that we're on if we allow them to go unchecked.
4: Uh, I- inevitably, that's what it does. And, and Marxism, I think, is the most evil ideology that has ever b- been invented by man. It, it has resulted in more murder, more torture, more oppression, more suffering, more poverty than any other ideology in human history. And And, and it is, look, the book starts actually with, with telling my family story. Tony, you know my you know my father very well. My right. my dad, as you know, was born and grew up in Cuba. And and my father as a teenager, when he was fourteen, he began fighting alongside Fidel Castro. And my dad was imprisoned in Cuba, he was tortured in Cuba, and he fled Cuba and came to America seeking freedom. And and, and I tell that story in the beginning of the book, and I tell the story of my tia Sonia who fought in the counter-revolution against Castro. She was imprisoned and tortured by Castro's goons. And then there's another story I tell at the beginning of the book, which is a story that my grandmother, my abuela told me. She was a sixth grade teacher in Cuba. And when I was a little boy, she told me that when Castro and the communists seized power, one of the first things he did is he sent the military into the elementary schools. And the soldiers would go into kindergartens and first grades. And and they would tell the students, they'd tell the little kids, they'd say, close your eyes and pray to Jesus and ask for candy. And the kids would do so and they'd open their eyes and there'd be no candy. And then they would tell the children, close your eyes and pray to Fidel Castro and ask for candy. And the kids would do so and the soldiers would quietly put a piece of candy on each of their desks. That's Marxism. It is built on lies, it's built on indoctrination. It's designed to tear down allegiances to anything, to God, to family, to anything except the all-powerful state. And that is the ideology that we are seeing that that has infested the major institutions of our nation.
1: Yeah, I think that's beyond uh, challenge at this point. It's here. It's evident. We're seeing it play out. So I want to get to what do we do. But before we do that, how can people get a copy of your book? Where can they find it?
4: Well, the book is available in any bookstore. It's also available on Amazon.com. It's available Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. Uh, it has rocketed up the bestseller lists, and 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 so you can get it right now today. It just came out, uh, and and so I would encourage you to, to to buy the book. It's it's readable. It's interesting. It's fun. It's not an abstract academic treatise. It's it's real world, and and I encourage you not only buy one for yourself, but but Christmas is right around the corner. It makes a great Christmas gift. You know, buy a copy for your mom, buy, buy a copy for your best friend, buy a copy for your crazy liberal friend who believes this nonsense, or even better, buy a copy for your kids or your grandkids so they can understand the poison that, that, that people are trying to indoctrinate them with. I wrote this book to be a battle plan, to be a useful tool for how we can fight back, how we can save our country.
1: And, and, and college students buy buy a copy for your professor and uh, you know wrap it up and, uh, and, and and put it on <laughs> their desk. All right, so Ted, what do we do? What what yes. what is the path forward because I think that the hour is late as you said yes. that long march through the institutions that began 6 decades ago is almost complete. Yes.
4: It, it it is and and I lay out basically three sets of tools to fight cultural marxism. Set number one is sunlight and transparency. The ideas of the radical left are wildly unpopular. Normal, rational people don't support abolishing the police. They don't support open borders. They don't support surgically uh, mutilating and castrating little children. They don't celebrate the atrocities carried out by Hamas terrorists. The only way the left stays in power is by hiding them by using force and power and by indoctrination. So shining sunlight is powerful. And for example, taking back uh, K through 12 institutions, I talk about what happened in Loudoun County where a teenage girl was sexually assaulted by a boy wearing a skirt in the girl's bathroom. The school board suppressed it, denied it, put their ideology above the children's safety. And that resulted in it woke people up across Virginia. Moms got ticked off And Virginia went from in 2020 voting for Biden by 10 points, being bright blue, to flipping the year later and electing Glenn Youngkin a Republican in 2021 because moms were furious and wanted to take their school boards back. And by the way, I'm getting involved in school board races all over Texas and we're winning victory after victory because sunlight is powerful. That's tool number one. Tool number two is changing the cost benefit analysis for the players here to increase the costs of going woke. So, for example, with big business, I talk about what happened with Bud Light and what happened with Target, where those woke executives put their political agenda over the customer's interest, tried to jam it down their throats, and the result was staggering. Both companies lost tens of billions of dollars in market cap. We need to increase the cost, the negative side of going woke. And then the third thing that I suggest is conservatives and libertarians with resources who've been successful in business need to invest in the organs of transmission of ideas. For too long, we've seeded ideas to the left. Go buy a TV station, buy a radio station, buy a movie studio, buy a book publishing house, buy a record label, engage in in the battle of ideas. And the model I point to for this it is Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter, which I think is the most consequential step for free speech in decades.
1: We cannot stand on the sidelines or be spectators in the stands and say, well, wow, no, man, this is bad. This is bad. You've yeah. got to get on the field. I think you're absolutely right. The the, the, the example you used of what's happening in, in education where parents have gotten involved, part of that silver lining. Uh, being the COVID, where parents had to, were yeah. for the first time exposed to what their kids were being exposed to. And, and you're absolutely right. What happened in Loudoun County was a catalyst for changing that entire state of Virginia. So it's, it's right where you are. What is before you, the opportunity that you have to make a difference right where you are?
4: That, 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 that is exactly right. The power of sunshine and engagement is really significant. And and we can't leave fighting to take these institutions back to someone else. It it, it is our responsibility. You know, you made reference to the long, slow march of institutions through institutions. I I lay out in the book, Unwoke, the history of that. In the 1960s, Marxists in America were, were using violent revolution. So, for example, you had the Weather Underground trying to blow up the Pentagon. Uh you had the nineteen sixty eight Democrat National Convention, violent riots, and they saw the American people recoil from that. And Marxist thinkers very deliberately said, All right, for America we need a different strategy. And they called it the, the phrase you just used, the long slow march through institutions. They said, We're gonna infiltrate them from the inside and we're gonna flip them. But their continued power is dependent on keeping it secret, what what you're doing, right. what Family Research Council does. Uh, of letting people know is 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 the first step to
1: turning it around that's right senator ted cruz always great to see you unwoke how to defeat cultural marxism in america folks go out and get a couple of copies and uh and share the good news ted good to see you great to see you tony god bless all right senator ted cruz of texas and that means we're out of time but thanks for joining us today. And until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand,
0: just keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported.